This is Channel 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma. So I personally do feel that what, what was done in the contract was positive, but there's much more room for improvement. And, and I think that we've laid the groundwork to do some of that, but that we have a long way to go. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. Most colleges raise tuition each year, but they don't increase their students' scholarships or financial aid. That means that students and their families are often forced to pay upwards of ten dollars to $12,000 more than they expected. This can push families into financial hardship or force students to leave their university with debt and without a degree. At PLU, we're stopping that cycle. That's why our fixed tuition guarantee ensures that your cost of tuition will be locked in from your first day to your graduation day. Learn more at plu.edu slash tuition. Citizen Tacoma, my heart beats true blue. Citizen Tacoma, I'll always vote for you. Welcome back to another episode of Citizen Tacoma. My guest today is Will Hausa, the citizen observer to the police negotiations between the city and Local 6. He was an informed observer, and we are going to find out what that means. Let's get to the interview. Welcome back to another episode of Citizen Tacoma. My guest today is Will Hausa, who was a citizen observer on the uh, police police union negotiations with the city. Will, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, before we get to uh, your role on that uh, committee and what that was like, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, you know, when did you move to Tacoma? How long have you been here? What's your story? Well, my name is Will Hausa. I moved to Tacoma in 2017. I moved to Tacoma from uh, Orlando, Florida. Uh, what brought me to the Northwest was a great opportunity in, um, to change employment. And there was a, a promotion opportunity that I couldn't pass up, so I came to the Northwest. And shortly after coming to the Northwest, I had an opportunity to join the Washington State Commission on African American Affairs, and I was appointed to the commission by Governor Jay Inslee. And I served on the commission for approximately four years. And during that time, I also routinely attended um, Tacoma Black Collective meetings. And the Tacoma Black Collective has routinely met every Saturday for the past 52 years. And I was um, vocal in discussions about law enforcement in Tacoma. And I was uh, presented with an opportunity to be a citizen observer of the collective bargaining process with Local 6. Uh, I appreciate that that background. Thank you. Um, when, when did that opportunity to be an observer present itself? How long have you been doing this work? Well, it's interesting. I've actually had uh, experience in contract negotiations just from my employment um, and being, and being a, um, a blue-collar worker and doing unionized work. Um, collective bargaining negotiations is something we routinely go to. So being having the ability to read the contract and kind of understand what's being conveyed and looking for and being able to see what opportunities could be um, approved upon 
that kind of came naturally just from just my line of work on a day-to-day basis. Um, the, uh, the opportunity to be a part of the process came probably about this time last year when I believe um, there was some folks that reached out to me with this, with this opportunity. And I think one of the first things I had to do was do some training that the city offered just to get familiar with some of the language and some of the terminology that's typically used in um, public safety contracts. Public safety contracts are a little different from contracts that you may see in like environmental services or water and wastewater. Um, those, but in all in all, they're pretty much the same, but it was just some specifics that I, I need to get um, acquainted with. And so um, myself and Tisha Marie, we both went through that process and we got to know um, our labor negotiators, but prior to getting into the um, actual negotiating process. So we had an opportunity, obviously online, but to get to know one another and to explain, you know, where our strengths lie and what we wanted to achieve as a team. Wow. So for the last year, you've been an an observer, uh, an informed observer, it sounds like, but both on your background and then learning some of the intricacies of... um, public safety union uh, negotiations. So when I think about labor negotiations, I have never participated, uh, you know, directly. I have not been in the room. Um, But, you know, I imagine six people on one side of a conference room and six people on the other side and lawyers and, you know, what is it like? Like, what's it like to be in the room? Or is it all Zoom right now? Like, how does that work? Well, that this process was all Zoom. Okay. But in... It was interesting nonetheless because there was definitely um, conflicting opinions. Yeah, I bet. But but there was never there was never a, a disrespectful exchange. At least I didn't ex- I didn't experience any. It was very professional, and, and I and I have to give kudos. And I haven't had an opportunity to do so, but I have to give kudos to Local Six for being willing to be a part of this process because they they're it's their very important they're a very important part. And if they weren't willing to have citizens at the table, I think the the process wouldn't went as well as it did. So I think the, that group deserves kudos for that. But um during the process, one thing i I learned quickly was what was important to local six and what's important to law enforcement here in Tacoma. And and they were crystal clear about it and and having an understanding of what's exactly important to law enforcement in terms of the collective bargaining negotiations um, made this process a lot smoother. Uh, those folks were crystal clear. What was important to them was were wages, hours, and working conditions. They want to be pay, paid at a fair, a fair wage, and they want to have working conditions that give them the ability to come home every night, and there's nothing wrong with that. So understanding what's important to that group, I think we were able to um, to negotiate and look for compromises, um, leveraging what's important to Local 6 against what was important to the city of Tacoma. What was important to the city of Tacoma? What were they uh, leading with as the things they were looking for? The city of Tacoma has some interesting things that they were looking for, and it was not just what was you know, the concerns of the community, but, you know, the city as a government has some, some things that they were, that was important to them. And in contract negotiations with Local 6 and in the past had given Local 6 the uh, ability to basically compare their wages to 
officers in the city of Bellevue. And obviously we know from living in Tacoma, the cost of living in the, uh, in the city of Bellevue is much higher than it is in Tacoma. Yeah. So therefore you're gonna have much higher wages in the city of Bellevue. So one thing the city of Tacoma wanted to do was to kind of get away from that and look for a more equal pairing with the city uh, and they were able to do so. And the equal parent city became the city of Renton. So that was important to the city of Tacoma. So so if I understand oh. what you're saying, um, instead of comparing to one of the like most highest priced cities in in the you know in the region, um, they chose a probably lesser priced, but still probably I mean it's still the the east side. So, you know, it's still probably expensive, but not not Bellevue. Exactly. And that was that was really, really important for the city to to kind of get away from that. Um, and also there was, you know, local six was had to be willing to to compromise. So there was obviously some concessions made. That's really interesting. What else was the city? Um, you mentioned community concerns. And this is something uh, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about all of this because you were actually there. And, you know, on this podcast, I've talked to many elected officials at the city who have been hesitant to talk about things because their role, they felt like, uh, restricted them in some ways. But in your case, you know, a citizen representative is there to talk, to share about what, what you saw and heard and what it was like. So that's why I am really excited about this. What? How did the city relay the concerns of the community? Because this is something um, many people have been uh, upset about um, how policing in Tacoma has been for the last, you know, couple of years, if not much longer in many cases, um, although many people have only uh, woken to this recently, um, those concerns have often been channeled to the city council in a variety of ways. Did the city communicate those to Local 6 in the negotiations, do you think? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's where Tisha Marie and I became very instrumental in echoing the, the concerns of the community. Um, one thing that we wanted, we, we were able to share with Local 6, and obviously in a, in a collective bargaining process, you have proposals and Local 6 makes a, has a list of proposals and things they want to modify contractually. And then, you know, the city has a response. And in the course of that exchange, we were able to lay out exactly what was important to the city, as well as what was important to the community. Is there anything specific that comes to mind where you saw the city really um, pushing for something or fighting, advocating for something that, that they felt needed to change? Anything in particular come to mind? Yeah, there were a few. Obviously, the one, uh, the, the comparison city with uh, Bellevue was very important. Um, also, in Section 30.2, 30.3 in the contract, and this, there's some language in the contract that, and I'm paraphrasing to 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 some degree. So I appreciate excuse, that. Excuse, excuse we, we're me. We're wonky, but we're not 30.2 and 30.1 wonky. Yeah. So, so you know. <laughs> basically, in, in 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 the contract previously. Well, in the contract that we're currently on, but not the one that that we have just agreed to. Um, let's say an officer um, was maybe committed some type of infraction, and his supervisor observed it, um, and the supervisor kind of may have said, "You know what? Um, that's really not that important. I'm just going to look past that one and let it go." Okay. Um, and it was pretty much up to the supervisor's discretion to do so. In the old contract, um, right? In the old contract. 
that that's been changed. And so now when coaching and counseling, opportunity for coaching and counseling is observed, uh, is the that supervisor's duty to uh, document that coaching and counseling session. Um, if there's an issue where officers may be reprimanded uh, in, the, in the current contract, that reprimand will remain in, this, in their file for a year, and then it was automatically removed. Now that reprimand just remains in their file, and it remains in their, um, I believe, in their personal file, or maybe the divisional file, but nonetheless, it remains, and there's no automatic removal of the file. And to community, that was important. The reason why, because we, if there are any concerns about bad apples being in the department, at least now we have a system in place, at least the framework for a system, where we can start tracking the behavior of some of those bad apples if they truly do exist. That's really interesting. Um, you mentioned something uh, alluded to you and the other observer, uh, Tisha Marie, is that her name? Yes. yes. Um, what you brought, and it made me wonder, did you did you ever speak or were you there simply to observe? Like what, what was that like for you? Were, were you an active participant or, or an observer and in that way affect the behavior? But I'm just curious. Um, actually, we, we definitely had the opportunity to speak. Um, there were opportunities we, we, we just spoke freely. There was and then there were times where we spoke through um, the city's labor negotiators, but we were, definitely didn't feel like we couldn't express our, how we felt. We, we personally, we felt that the, the reason why the city had us at the table was to voice the concerns of the community. And so when there were opportunities to do so, we definitely did that. Did the did the community, however we want to define that, reach out to you directly? Like, hey, this is something that I'm concerned about. Or um, did the electeds reach out to you? How how did you hear from the community in that way? Or or were you simply a, just a representative based on your own background and experiences? Actually, a combination of two. Um, in addition to t- to attending Tacoma's Black Collective meetings, I also meet um, biweekly with several ministers and pastors in the area who are part of uh, Tacoma's Tacoma Ministerial Alliance. I also routinely meet with members of Tacoma's NAACP. And so, and um, Tisha Marie, who is also president of Legally Black. Mm-hmm. So when you just, and the, the concerns of the community, there, there, there wasn't a wide variety of concerns. We were really coming off the uh, the hills of the Manny Ellis murder. Yeah. And so the concerns were crystal clear what the community wanted. The community wanted oversight and transparency and, and if there was anything that could be done contractually, uh, the, co- the community wanted it to be addressed. Does this new contract get us oversight and transparency or does this over does this new contract get us uh, a building block toward it or does it even advance it at all in your opinion? I believe it's, it's a building block, but it's definitely not the oversight that I believe the citizens of Tacoma will want. And the type of oversight the citizens of Tacoma will want is the type of oversight we see in cities like Philadelphia and Minneapolis. And this is where you have oversight committees that actually can lean in and make recommendations that are actually implemented in terms of discipline and things that are actually important to law enforcement officers, which are wages, hours, and working conditions. And for uh, to have an oversight committee to have that level of input, that has to be negotiated and agreed upon. And obviously, in this in this negotiation session, we weren't able to do that. 
but I believe this current contract and the discussions that we did have and Local 6's understanding of the kind of shift in the climate that in the next negotiating round, oversight is definitely going to be um, a priority. And not to say it wasn't in this round. It just wasn't something that could get done. Didn't get there. In this kind of the year. Yes, sir. Okay. What what is the timeline that this contract runs for? How long did did we did did this how long is this contract for? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Well, the next time we go back, we'll go back again in 2020 at the end of 2023. So this is um, basically um the basically we'll go back and start negotiating, I believe in the beginning of 2024 if I'm not mistaken. So I believe this is a two-year contract, sir. So negotiate in 2023 for whatever so happens the in 2023. going into 2024. Yeah. One of the, the things that I have, have felt as I've been doing this podcast and talking to a variety of, of, again, mostly Tacoma City Council members, but about these issues is, is sometimes there is a disparity between <laughs> what happens on the ground such as, you know, almost a year ago, the the officer who ran his patrol car into a crowd. Um, and still, if I understand, you know, almost a year later, there's no results of what has happened with that. Um, you mentioned Manny Ellis, of course. Um, you know, George Floyd was killed and the officers tried and convicted within a shorter time period of, of that process for Manny Ellis. So I do have the sense that that there are these things that happen that are on the ground that people are really upset about and really care about, and then a disconnect between that and the contract that I keep hearing about. And now that, that I'm here, I guess, so with that in mind, um, is that something that the contract will ever be able to fix or are we talking about things that are just not even part of the contract just that like things just need to be moving faster outside it around it systemically in other ways like what's your view on how those things match up i i actually i really do appreciate you saying that and i hope i'm able to fully answer your question and this and just to kind of repeat it back and basically this is what's coming from community is that the contract does won't can't address the what happened on march 3rd um 2020 to Manny Ellis. Contractually, um, the contract can't address the issue. What the the improvement in the contract can only do is just try to develop a culture within a department where we have law enforcement officers who won't allow themselves to get into a predicament like that. I think community, we would love to address everything in contract, but I don't think everything can be addressed in contract. I believe there's actually some opportunities for the city to address things outside of the contract. And for example, in terms of oversight, this is, and this is widely understood and known, we can have oversight over in terms of wages, hours, and working conditions, and disciplines, and things of that nature. That's one level of oversight that has to be contractually agreed upon. But there's another level, another level of oversight that you can have in areas that are not contractually agreed upon. For example, like how we hire, um, what type of uh, equipment we're buying. For example, what type of spit hoods are we buying? Or is there something? Is there another type of device that officers could use outside that is that's better than a spit hood to provide more ventilation, so people won't die with the spit hood on their head like Manny Ellis? 
community can have input in those areas and that's outside of the contract. So I personally do feel that what, what was done in the contract was positive, but there's much more room for improvement. And, and I think that we've laid the groundwork to do some of that, but that we have a long way to go. Speaking for, for just yourself, what would you like to see? You mentioned one example right there with, you know, how the equipment. What would you like to see the city or our community do outside of the contract uh, to improve how we're, how we're policed uh, in our community? Great question again. I've, what I've seen uh, in eastern Washington, I believe it was in Spokane County and the city of Spokane. Um, those municipalities voted on oversight. The citizens of those municipalities in eastern Washington, of all places, voted for oversight and it was approved by the people. I would love to see the citizens of Tacoma truly invest in their community and in their civic engagement by taking it to the ballot and deciding whether or not they want oversight and to what degree they want oversight. And when it becomes from when when it comes from the people and it's and it becomes law, then we don't have to negotiate for that because it came from the people, just like I-940. Did the the new state laws that were passed in this most recent state session, which police claimed restricted their ability to do certain things, although my understanding is, is that that's a false claim. Did those come into the contract negotiations? Did they affect it in the sense where the city had to say, like, well, now the new state law says this part of the contract is invalid or we have to update it? Or how did that affect our local negotiations? Because my sense was is that that had the chance to supersede all of these contracts statewide. But is that actually what happened? No, it didn't. Actually, there was some discussions about what could happen. Uh, for example, I um, believe there was a, a bill that was pushed forward by uh, State Senator Joe Wynn. And um, this particular piece of legislation would have given um, cities a time limit on how long they can wait to actually implement community oversight. Obviously, that piece of, that piece of legislation was taken out. Um, there was some discussions with Local 6 that, hey, this is something that could potentially come up again because we know that um, this state senator and others like him are actually interested in pushing forward this type of uh, legislation. Um, and they're well aware of that. And, that. and that's why I believe that when we do go back to the negotiating table, this will be a much more easier conversation to have because there will be some work done at the state level. And that's going to be truly important. Um, that we can only do so much at the local level, but when we actually pass laws to say this is what is best for the state of Washington, then it's easy to get this stuff done. That's really interesting. What are you, what are you, you mentioned one piece of legislation. Are there any other things that you think um, could happen at the state level that would help us locally from what you saw? There'll be probably some modifications in some of the legislation that was recently passed. Um, I know some members of the community feel like there were some pieces of the legislation that some members of law enforcement may have leveraged to show that the legislation um, may have not been well written or was vague and, and, and those areas need to be strengthened. 
and I'm quite sure and, and positive that Representative Jesse Johnson, who was the prime sponsor of some of this legislation, is actively working on that and will address in this session. But locally here in Tacoma, I truly do. I truly do believe it's oversight should be the conversation, and 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 nothing other than oversight. That's really good to know. Um, and and again, I really appreciate your perspective as someone who was who was in the room. What what's your sense of those pr- proposals that I've heard or uh, um, to add um, public safety functions to non armed officers, possibly outside of the police department itself? Um, I've heard some you know some exploration of this idea. Especially for you know when when um, there's a homeless individual or whatever it, whatever the case might be that there might be a more appropriate person than a uniformed armed officer was this in the conversation is this something that that came up or what do you think about it personally? No, that wasn't a part of this this negotiation, um, but I did hear discussions about that, and I think that there's some folks on the city council that do support that idea. I I support it as well. I I believe that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of matching um, apples with apples and oranges with oranges. It's really, I think, it's a waste of public resources to send an armed professional to quell a nonviolent disturbance, um, to quell a, a disturbance that's actually involves somebody having a mental health episode. And this particular individual, he's probably better trained to address a violent issue more than a nonviolent issue. So I think it's important. I think we're getting more, we're just getting sharper as individuals. And we're looking at this stuff and saying, hey, let's send our people who are trained to take down violent individuals, let's send those folks to those situations and let's send folks who can actually address mental health issues and nonviolent issues to those to those situations. So I, I think it's it's a smarter approach to policing, um, and I and I believe that there is some positive discussions going on, but I don't believe there's anything in the works currently to make it happen uh, in the next couple months. Yeah, I, I get that, and that sounds like one of those things if uh, that could be something that the city of Tacoma could do outside of the the contract, as as you were talking about, that there's things that we might be able to do outside that. Yeah, I, I think so because it's. Um, you have law enforcement and then you have public safety. Yep. So if this maybe wasn't, um, and I'm just, just making an example, but let's say this person wasn't armed, then maybe this we can call this person a public safety officer um, as opposed to a law enforcement officer. So I, I think there's different ways to, to look at it and label it and implement it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's armed um, and have that level of, um, that level of training. Sure. Well, and, you know, uh, Metro Parks Tacoma had a, or still has a public, um, like a park ranger program, someone who is both code enforcement, you know, helping to make sure you don't feed the raccoons while also maybe telling you what that plant is or something like that. And there are ways that you can do um, enforcement without having an armed person. So, you know, there's definitely examples. Um you mentioned uh, it's going to be about two years before this process kicks off again. Will that still be you as one of the observers? Is that how that that works, uh, or will it be two new people in 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 the room? I imagine it will be two new folks. Um, no one's reached out to me to ask me if they want me to come around for a second time. <laughs> uh, 
that, that probably means I burned a few bridges in the room, but I was only doing the work of the community. But um, I believe that we do have some sharp folks in the community that are more, more than willing um, and sharp enough to, to take on that responsibility. And so I look forward to whomever um, decides to, um, to do that work in the next coming years. But one thing I will say, it is not easy work by any stretch of the imagination. It's still work nonetheless. It's important to, it was important to teach Maria and I that we weren't just casual observers. We were informed observers. And when we were able to make recommendations, they were coming from a place of understanding and knowledge. And we were able to point to specific areas in the contract that needed to be improved upon, as well as providing examples and contracts and, and that other unions and municipalities have agreed upon around the country that are doing similar work. Yeah, I, I think having you as informed observers uh, to use that that language really makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, and I guess the takeaway that I'm I'm getting from this is, in your opinion, um, citizen oversight is uh, the next big hurdle that we should be looking for if we want to see changes in policing at the state level and then eventually at the Tacoma level. Is that right? Yes, I, I truly do believe that's really going. To, that's really important, and and we've seen it in, in other areas in the in other areas around the country, but and but we've also seen it in municipalities that have undergone um, a federal a federal decree, and this uh, justice department has actually stepped in and made recommendations and kind of taken over departments, and and then you see this level of community oversight. I don't know if that will be Tacoma's future, but I truly do believe that Tacoma could um, do the 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 preemptive work to get oversight before actually someone else steps in says that you actually need oversight. Because what we've seen here recently, we've seen that we've read articles from the Tacoma News Tribune that has uh, documented um, abuses against the African-American community from Tacoma's police department, as well as reports from Pierce County's, uh, the Pierce County Council about the Pierce County Sheriff Department um, engaging in similar activity. So that's why I believe that community oversight is truly important so community can lean lean in and engage these issues at a ground level. Will, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to first do that work because I believe you. I'm sure it was uh, a big lift. And so I appreciate you being a citizen observer and then to, to share it on this podcast. So thank you so much. No, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.